All right. Welcome aboard, fellow deplorables, uh, Neanderthals. Uh, great to have you on board, as always. Uh, another episode of the Rhino Report. Brian Horn, uh, flying this mission solo, um, white collar crime episode. Mentioned that in the uh, Madoff episode that uh, we'll be doing, you know, series on that some here and there. Uh, it's an area of interest to me, uh, especially, you know, like I said, when I did my graduate work, I did uh, did my work, uh, graduate work on white collar crime, a lot of it, uh, thesis work and whatnot. So uh, tonight uh, we'll be talking about the Wolf of Wall Street. Um, a lot of you guys out there have probably seen that movie, uh, Jordan Belfort, his story. Um, he is not the kind of person, I mean, he is somewhat accurately portrayed in that movie, you know, but uh, I think, unfortunately, it kind of romanticized him and uh, made him out to be, you know, not too bad of a guy, really, you know, uh, and we'll get to that in a little bit. But, but for those of you that aren't too terribly familiar with his case, um, Jordan Belfort, uh, like a lot of uh the offenders that we have in the white collar crime world, uh, born into a nice middle-class family, uh, born into a Jewish middle-class family in New York. Um, originally he, uh, sought out, believe it or not, to be a dentist and, uh, said he was told by the Dean at the college that, uh, the golden age quote unquote of dentistry was over and there was no more money to be made. Um, I'm not sure. I, it kind of was news to me that uh, dentistry ever had a golden age. I figured, you know, people have had teeth since, uh, you know, Adam and Eve, and it's just always been something to, you know, a profession to be had to deal with teeth. But uh, apparently it does have a, uh, a golden age. But anyway, after this, uh, he started a meat business going door to door, started out doing pretty well with it. But uh, initially he was it failed. He was forced into bankruptcy. Um, a friend got him a job on Wall Street, so he thinks at this point he's all set and all ready to go. And uh, lo and behold, what happens? This is in 1987. We have the Black Monday crash in October of 1987. As you all remember, a lot of you, the stock market fell apart. Um, I think it was at that time probably the worst stock market day since the Depression. And uh, he's out on the streets again. Um so he kind of drifts around a little bit and eventually he settles and starts his own financial uh, investment company with some friends who, uh, like Mr. Belford, I think were probably of a questionable reputation. But uh, he starts his company with his friends. Uh, they call it Stratton Oakmont. And they get involved in basically what's known in the white collar crime world as a pump and dump scam, <clears throat> getting uh, selling penny stocks and a lot of cheap stocks. And for those of you that don't know what a pump and dump scam is, it's basically where the investors are not the investors, the financial people will inflate the numbers any way they can over hype a stock, get the price driven up a cheap penny stock, as we said just a second ago. And then once they get people on board and people start buying, when they've gotten all these stocks dumped off, the real value of these are basically revealed and uh, the value dump, so to speak, it crashes and, uh, the, uh, financial people, the sellers there, of course, have made their money and uh, the investors, the which in these penny stocks and cheap stops like that are usually unfortunately working class and middle class folks. Um, they're left high and dry when the stock loses value and it crashes and uh, they're left without their money. Um, and, you know, Mr. Belfort was quite good at this. Uh, you know, he was uh, very good at sales. He was uh, very aggressive, very driven. 
um, he got quite rich from this. And, uh, you know, like a lot of these offenders, uh, he lived a very hedonistic lifestyle. Um, he, uh, you know, became addicted to a lot of different types of drugs, you know, particularly quaaludes. I know a lot of you probably remember in the movie, you know, the Steve Madden, <laughs> when they're all strung out on their quaaludes. Well, that's pretty accurate as far as what the, the research I've always done on him. He was uh, very much strung out on a lot of drugs back then and, uh, you know, threw a lot of wild, lavish parties. And uh, the disturbing thing about a comment that I'd always heard him say at one time was that, during this time when he awoke every day, the first thing on his mind, first thought that would hit his mind when he woke up was how he could rip somebody off that day, a new way to get somebody, a new angle, a new way to uh, to make some money and to rip somebody off. And, uh, you know, you really think about it, a lot of different things for the average decent person out there. The first thing that hits their mind when they get up in the morning Probably not how am I going to rip somebody off today or what new way, new angle, something like that can I get. But that was for Belfort. That's what he wanted to do, and that's the first thing he thought of. And he, as I said, became quite good at this, and uh, he kept this up, uh, you know, for quite a while. Um, eventually, uh, the SEC, the feds, did get on to him, and uh, they were able to track, you know, keep him under very close scrutiny for a long time. Finally, in 1999, took a while, I guess, but he was finally charged um, with SEC or with uh, securities fraud, money laundering. And uh, it's something always stood out to me that one of the investigators that investigated him said was that he described Mr. Belford, Belfort as a, quote, financial serial killer. You know, now we've talked already about some serial killers on this show, probably will, you know, periodically, but. You know, you really think about that's really something when you have a person that is described as a, quote, financial serial killer. You know, we don't hear that described a lot, but that's how they describe Belfort. Just like, you know, a serial killer will stalk and, uh, you know, pursue their victims, so to speak. That is, in a sense, what Mr. Belfort did. And uh, as I said, unfortunately, he was quite good at it. And like oftentimes happens with these types of crimes and these criminals, um, you know, people suffered and a lot of lives are really destroyed and ruined out of this. But he is finally charged. And uh, with these federal crimes, he is sentenced uh, to uh, four years in federal prison, which when you're talking about the amount of people he ripped off, and we'll get to that in just a little bit as far as numbers, but when you're talking about the amount of people he ripped off and the lives that he ruined, you know, that's a slap on the wrist. I mean, think how many people out there, you know, that have gone to prison for, you know, as they say, a dime bag of weed or something to that effect. I know in my years in corrections and uh, it was a long time I spent in that uh, profession, I transported a lot of people to prison for a lot less crimes, you know, a lot less lives they ruined than what, you know, Mr. Belfort did. And uh, several of them certainly got longer sentences in four years. But the other kind of disgusting thing about that is, though, is despite that four-year sentence, he only does about uh, 22 months of it. So he uh, doesn't even do half of what he would be required to do. You know, a 48-month sentence, he uh, falls about two months short of even having to do that. And, uh, you know, I don't know about you, but uh, that should piss us all off. Um, you know, those of us that, you know, especially us just every day. And I think that's probably most of the people who listen to this show, just every day, middle-class middle America folk. 
honest folk that uh, get up and work hard every day and uh, play by the rules. And uh, this guy obviously doesn't. And, uh, you know, he's not punished anywhere nearly as hard as, uh, like I said, a lot of crimes that you can probably think of. I guarantee every one of you listening to this can think of somebody that you know that has uh, committed a crime, like, as I said, not ruined near, near as many lives as what he did, but yet at the same time um, doesn't do, uh, or they end up doing a lot more of the time than what he did, you know, and is that fair? Uh, who knows? Um, well, no, it's not fair, but uh, will that ever change? I should say is what I meant to say. And uh, you know, who knows um, at this point in time, you know, that is one of the uh, imperfections of our justice system. Oftentimes the wealthy and powerful like Mr. Belfort don't, uh, don't end up oftentimes uh, getting punished like they should. But there are some out there, I think though, that do want to do honest business. And uh, if you're looking for a multifamily unit loan, some refinancing on your existing property, help with real estate investments, or even how to expand your current real estate, our listener, John Elak, wants you to give him a call. You can call John at 386-503-1517, or you can email John at John Elak, that's J-O-H-N-E-L-A-C-3 at AOL.com. He'd be glad to help you out. But what one thing that Mr. Belfort did get, he did get ordered to pay some restitution. Um now, again, I know most of you probably know that, but, you know, basically for those of you maybe that don't, that's just kind of, uh, you know, uh, compensating, paying for your crime, so to speak, uh, you know, with a dollar amount attached. Uh, used to see that a lot when uh, people would get charged with uh, writing bad checks, deceptive practices, uh, I think, you know, one of the legal terms they have for here in Illinois. And uh, a lot of times if they made restitution to the business or the one that they shorted on that uh, money, then... Uh, you know, they paid that money back and, you know, all was forgiven and, you know, go and send no more, so to speak. And uh, it's estimated that R Mr. Belfort cost his investors probably about $200 million. Um, you know, most of us can't even dream of ever being anywhere near that much money in our lifetime. Uh, but that's how much he is estimated to have cost his investors. He was ordered to pay back a little over half of that. Um, which is was about $110,000 of what my understanding was. The Business Week magazine pointed out uh, a few years back that at the time they had checked, he had only paid back about $21,000 of that. And I think his parole period is long gone and past. Um, something I've spoken to the criminal justice classes that I teach, I'm puzzled as to why he was never violated for that. Um, you know, when you get on, you know, when you get released from prison and you're put on parole, you have certain conditions. Oftentimes you have to meet, you know, you know, maintaining employment, doing drug and alcohol counseling, not reoffending, passing drug tests, you know, on and on. And, uh, in his case, that was to make restitution to his victims, but, uh, very little happened with that. And, uh, the last we have seen of Mr. Belfort, he is uh, living down in Australia, treated like a celebrity. Um, he is a, a motivational speaker now. He's writing books. Um, he's teaching seminars. And uh, he offered to write a book and use all the uh, 
you know, proceeds of it to pay back some of his victims. But uh, my understanding, the Justice Department declined on that, which I don't blame him on that. But, uh, you know, it's speculated he could be down there hiding assets. Who knows? I mean, it's it's really hard to say what someone is, you know, conniving is that I'm sure there is a motive behind what he's doing. And, you know, it's it's not a good one, but uh, he's uh, he's not suffering for, uh, you know, not only for really truly for what he did, but, uh, you know, his lack of compensating his victims, which, you know, like a lot of white collar offenders, uh, I, I think he probably does not see these offenders as victims, as, uh, you know, many of these type of offenders, you know, they don't see these, uh, their victims as, you know, a true victim. And in his case, uh, very little conscience. I, I'm sure he probably did not as well. Um, but he's doing, doing quite well for himself. Uh, you know, we are looking at doing some streaming uh, services or, or, you know, some streaming programs uh, in the real near future here. And, you know, I've looked at different services to use for that. One of them I saw uh, just here recently uh, was using him for their spokesman. And uh, right there, and there were other people that agreed with me from what I could tell in the comments with it. But like, uh, no, nope, I'm sorry, but if you uh, are OK, you know, using a snake like Jordan Belfort as your uh, spokesperson, your pitch man there, uh, you're probably not somebody most of us would want to do business with. And uh, I scratched this company off my list. Uh, not going to do business with him. But uh, he, uh, like I said, he's doing quite well for it. He's, uh, you know, making a lot of money doing these tours and uh, training seminars and, you know, things of that sort. Uh, his, you know, reputation certainly not uh, hurt for it. But, uh, you know, he does in many ways fit the profile of so many of them, not just not really, you know, the lack of empathy toward his victims, but, uh, like a lot of these, uh, white collar offenders, uh, very ambitious, you know, he was somebody that wanted to succeed. Um, very shrewd. It's obvious he and many of these other ones will do whatever they can to get ahead and to move ahead and, uh, you know, morally flexible. Um, Obviously, you can't have a lot of morals if the first thing you think about when you wake up in the morning is how I'm going to rip somebody off. But, uh, you know, obviously a man of very questionable morals uh, left his first wife and hooked up, uh, you know, and got him a new one. And uh, like I said, lived a life of absolute hedonism, which is very common among these white collar criminals. And uh, that was certainly the case with his drug use and the partying and things like that that he did. But, uh, you know, that's the profile that he fit. And uh, like I said, very little to no regard for their victims. I mean, uh, I'm sure, you know, I don't know how much of his assets were seized, but I'm sure he was capable of paying back more than $21,000 out of uh, $110 million it owed. But it begs the question, if he didn't hasn't paid back this $110 million yet, you know, why was his parole not revoked? Why was he not back in, you know, court, uh, you know, having to answer for this? But uh to my knowledge, uh, it never happened. And, uh, unfortunately that's, that's the case that it does. And, uh, again, he fits the profile of a lot of studies. Um, there was a study done in Germany back in 1993 on uh, white collar criminals that showed they tend to be more nar narcissistic, uh, more hedonistic, and they have poor impulse control. And we'll talk about not only him, but the other offenders, uh, uh, white collar offenders that fit this mold, just like he did. And uh, that's something to look out for. And, uh, you know, like Bernie Madoff, we talked about on the last episode about white collar crime, the lives and the futures and things that he destroyed are immeasurable. You know, yeah, not to the level that Bernie Madoff did, 
but certainly more than your average petty street criminal that unfortunately oftentimes, uh, you know, serves far less time in prison. And, uh, you know, if they don't oftentimes meet their conditions of their parole, uh, would probably end up back in prison where, you know, you know, paying back 21,000 out of $110 million, that's, uh, that's not quite getting it done. And I think most people would agree that probably should have been addressed, but to my knowledge, it wasn't. And, uh, you know, the lives, who knows how many, you know, futures, retirements, savings, you know, uh, possible marriages, you know, we all know finances can cause a huge strain in a marriage. Uh, it's very quite possible that, uh, you know, he destroyed, you know, marriages along the way as well. But, uh, you know, there's always unfortunately going to be ones like him and Madoff and ones like that out there to uh, commit these crimes. And uh, I've said it to the classes that I teach, unfortunately, because of uh, technology is going to get easier for these offenders to do these kind of things. And uh, we just have to be on the watch and uh, be on the lookout. Um, Will Mr. Belfort get his uh, just desserts in this life? Who knows? I mean, that's only up to God. God has to decide that. And, uh, you know, he may not, who knows, he may not fully pay for his, uh, crimes and his sins in this life, but, uh, you know, maybe he will, uh, will in the next one. And, uh, but who knows, and maybe he'll get caught again. You know, I don't know what, you know, how good the Australian authorities are at keeping somebody like this on a watch. But, uh, if you're listening and you are an Australian in law enforcement, I would say, uh, you need to keep an eye on this guy. Um, he's going to find a way probably to rip off people down in Australia and, uh, you know, get a new system going. Cause as that old saying goes, a leopard doesn't change his spots. And, uh, I'm sure he's going to, it's a matter of time if he hasn't already to, uh, start preying on somebody again. And, uh, you know, we all have to be on the lookout for people like this and, uh, you know, they are out there, um, you know, and, these pump and dump scams, unfortunately, still go on to this day. It's a very common uh, type of form of uh, financial crime that is committed. You know, uh, the Ponzi scheme we talked about last time, that's another, you know, with Mr. Madoff, that's another popular type and uh, another form that's often used. But, uh, you know, these uh, these folks are out there and they are dangerous, even though that we, uh, we only tend to think of them as, uh, you know, the street criminals as the most dangerous. But, uh, you know, in reality, these people, like I said, they ruin a lot of lives. They wreck a lot of lives. And uh, the damage sometimes is even more long-term than what uh, victims of common street crimes suffer. So uh, if you're out there in Australia, like I said, uh, keep an eye out. There's a wolf, quote to speak, of Wall Street out uh, on the prowl, probably looking for his next victim. So, uh, and as far as, uh, as always, we talk about our, uh, you know, our four-legged friends, our Man's best friend, uh, my understanding, uh, we will be getting a uh, Yorkie that's going to be up for adoption. Uh, you can check out the Facebook page. It should be on there. Actually, you know, by the time this episode airs, uh, it probably will have already been there and hopefully adopted. But uh, as always, again, uh, you know, shop your local shelters and adopt. Don't shop. Um, you know, don't do the puppy mills. Uh, keep an eye out for animal abuse. There was a case in uh, my area here the other day where a man was found in a home to have had about a hundred, uh, abused and neglected animals. And, uh, I don't know too much about the case other than, you know, from what I saw in the headline and what briefly I was able to read on it. But, uh, you know, you gotta be careful on the lookout there for that too. Uh, they can't speak for themselves and, uh, you know, our animal friends need us to, uh, rise up and speak for them. So, uh, yep. If you're looking for 
a puppy dog, check out our uh, Facebook page. We always have ones that we foster and are trying to find homes for. And uh, we appreciate your support on that. Appreciate your support on listening to the show and joining in for another one. And as I always say, uh, hang tight, you know, fellow deplorables. Uh, You know, if you're in law enforcement, we got your back. Hang in there. Um, You know, we will get through this. We just got to hang together. That's all we have right now are each other. And, uh, you know, let's hang tough and stay together. We always appreciate you joining in. Look forward to the next one. Uh, We've got an episode also coming up uh, about law enforcement, how we've got your back. And uh, you need to have law enforcement's back, too. And, uh, you know, as always, don't trust the media. It's uh, poison. It's garbage. It's uh, destroying our country. It's propaganda. You know, be careful where you get your uh, news media information from. So it's great having you aboard. Uh, Look forward to the next episode coming up. I'm Ryan Horn of the Rhino Report. Thank you for tuning in.